You're listening to the podcast where you can feast on all the information in the world of sports. Now, here's your host, Tommy Yu. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode, but this time it's going to be a little bit special because uh, Darren, you dropped something on me, but me being a good friend, I should have anticipated something coming up, but uh, our good co-host over here is going to be uh, going on vacay, but it actually may be good because um, not too long ago, uh, and I don't want to put him on the spot, but uh, Greg reached out to me saying he could help me out, uh, maybe be the co-host for the uh, preseason ranking show mostly because uh, unfortunately for Greg he's probably not as excited for that show because he kind of knows where he's going he to rank <laughs> uh, whereas for you Darren uh, if you were on there with me it'd be a little bit boring because you would know all the rankings you would know how I would try to set things up and I want you to be a listener too but the reason I bring this up is you're a good co-host going on a little vacay huh and surprise to the listeners a little deep cut if you don't know Darren as well as I do and I know I share it all the time on the pod it's not Mexico you're not going to Mexico huh <laughs> No, it's funny because I, I just told you before recording, that was the original plan. We were. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, sorry. Were... <laughs> and this is for the one year anniversary between him and Jackie. Sorry, I didn't say that. But yeah, they're, they're going on one year. I, um, But they're originally thinking Mexico. Uh, why not Mexico again there? Um, Jackie never updated her passport to reflect yep. her new legal name. So, you know, we, we it would have been fine, but we uh, it was kind of a little she was a little nervous about it. So we, we decided to stay in the United States anyway. Traveling, there's a lot of stress. The last thing you want is a, a little extra stress. Even though it's nothing, you never want to spend that much. I'd be like, actually, this is an issue. And you're like, oh, gosh, this is the worst. Yeah. So, <laughs> like no, I completely there. get that. <laughs> like, no, we can't let you in. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> the the yeah. internet told me this was okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, you're going over to Florida, so that's going to be awesome. So, Darren's going to be out, Um, what, Thursday to Tuesday, you said? Yeah. All right, we're going to miss you. Um, We'll try not to bother you too much in the uh, PDL, but I feel like anytime anyone in the PDL goes on vacation, we know it. For some reason, a big trade happens, like while you're yeah. in flight or like actually on vacay. So um, hopefully that won't happen because um, I feel like all the trades that could happen in the PDL has already happened, but I've been uh, corrected before. And also, don't we usually always get one monumental trade before the season starts? Right before. I yeah, like I traded for Stefan Diggs right before the season started. I know Kenny used to love doing like a or Kev and Kenny, both the Yowls, love to do big trades right before the uh start of the season. Uh, I know they're not here anymore. I, I feel like I'm almost all out of moves, so I can't envision myself doing one. But um, you know me, Dara, I have no life. So maybe I'll try to think of something, but I would be surprised. So maybe that'll be the first question I ask you before we kind of jump into the show doc. Would you be surprised if uh, any big trades happen? Not while you're gone, but I mean just before the season starts because um, usually this is when some more inactive owners kind of come back watching the preseason, and then I feel like this is finally when they look beyond their roster, right? They'll look at other people's team and be like, all right, do I have a shot at the playoffs? Do I not? Maybe make a trade here or there. Do you think that's uh, going to happen again? I think 100% we'll see at least one trade before the season starts. Um, I think at this point, um, since we're – in the heat of the preseason, I think that people might be just be waiting until the preseason games ends to make sure these guys don't get hurt, uh, to see the final roster, how they shake out. Um, and then once we see that kind of happen, I think the those final days before the season starts, I think we could see a couple trades, honestly. Like we're it's it's kind of weird because these big name veteran running backs are still sitting there like yeah Hunt, Hunt. Cook, all these guys i would have thought they would have been signed by now like honestly like i i thought like late july like right before the preseason game start they were going to sign but here we are week one of the preseason's over they're still unsigned it's kind of weird it really is and i don't want to you know think or look forward to something tragic happening but it also wouldn't be a surprise if during the preseason a running back does get hurt we see that all the yeah. time and so it might even be a team that no one is anticipating being in because right now with all the veteran running backs, you know, we're hearing the same teams, right? We're hearing the Jets. We're hearing maybe the Dolphins with Cook, and they said they're only in on Cook. Uh, and then you're hearing like these additional teams where um, even Indianapolis, I know they're signing like a bunch of random people, right? Um, but I feel like if there is an injury that happens to say, um, I don't, I'm trying to think of a team that hasn't even been in. Like, let's, it's not out of the realm possibility if the Eagles lose Rashad Penny because he hurts himself in the preseason they could totally now randomly be in because that's how Howie would roll so it'd be interesting to see um what time will do especially with the value of a lot of these veteran running backs especially in the PDL because I know what I feel like Brett has a handful of them um yeah Brett has Brett used to have three of the four but now I have Fournette <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I'm sure all of you guys are kind of tuned into actually knowing you, Darren, while you're on vacation, Leonard Fournette's probably going to sign somewhere. So that's pretty much all but sealed, right? So this is pretty much us or me predicting me like, yeah, while Darren's on vacation within next week, I'm sure Lenny will sign somewhere just because uh, that will force you to have to kind of stay updated a little bit, even though that's not really breaking news. But uh, speaking of breaking news, there was a trade actually that has occurred, Darren, um, since the last episode. Uh, what was it, buddy? Mm-hmm. Um, so Tanner sent his 2026 third round pick to Brian Ooh, for one. Raheem Mostert and Deontay Foreman. Um, they actually said this trade happened because of you. How do you feel knowing that you have that much pull in this PDL? Well, I-, <laughs> I think that uh, this wasn't what I was uh, alluding to no, when no. I said that he needed to upgrade his running backs. This is like a, I guess, like a minor upgrade, um, but. I think by the end of the year, in in my opinion, at least, I would expect Deontay Foreman to be the RB3 for the Bears. Um, right now, I guess he might be the RB2, but I think that Roshan is going to jump him and maybe Khalil Herbert as well by the end of the season. Um, right now, it looks like Herbert is definitely the RB1 based on preseason game number one. And then Raheem Mostert, I think, will be fine as long as they don't sign Dalvin Cook. If they sign Dalvin Cook, then I wouldn't even want Raheem Mostert. He's 31 years old. Um, but I think if all stays the same, just sending, sending just a third was fine. Um, I think Brian probably sold at the right time though, because if like tomorrow or today that the Dolphins signed Dalvin cook, then he probably would have just had to drop where he missed her. I don't think anyone would have wanted them. Um, but Deontay Foreman, he should be fine. I think for a while, like he played well in Carolina. It's just that he's in a crowded backfield. They both kind of are actually. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like um, Brian was pretty outspoken saying, hey, anyone give me a third for Reeve Mostert um, and he's yours. And I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit enticed because you know me, I can't quit Mostert one and two. <laughs> you can never have too many running backs. So I was looking at it. So I got my third option. I was like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. Plus, uh, I think we, we, we were talking about this um, all the time off air on how it's so funny when we look at our benches, we look, hold them to a different value, right? Like I'm looking at yeah. Quez Watkins. Everyone's like, Tommy, you should have caught him. Actually, I did cut him. And then I picked him up again because I thought someone else was going to pick him up because I got scared. There's no reason he should really be on my roster, but I just can't quit him. And there's countless other players um, that I don't want to cut. So now any trade that I get, I'm like, oh, man, if I get let's say I did this trade. I, I don't know who like two players I would cut. Not saying that the two players that I would cut would be better than these two for this upcoming season. It's just you have this attachment. But let's get back to them. Always about me, right? Um, Tanish did send that third. And I feel like it definitely, I know I picked on you saying it was just you, but it, it was us. Uh, we were kind of not trashing, but saying his running back. Wait, was was Singletary his best running back before this? I believe so, yes. He had Singletary and Jeff Wilson. And I think that is it. And Jeff Wilson just got hurt not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, okay. So that kind of probably has to push it. And I feel like it also has to do with the pressure knowing that the season's coming up, right? Preseason's all about, or not preseason, the offseason dynasty is always about just looking at how sexy your roster is, right? Just thinking about how amazing this could be. And with all the amazing wide receivers that Tanish has, it's very easy to get caught up in that. But then when the season comes knocking on your door and you realistically have to be like, oh, Devin Singletary is my best running back. Okay, I have to do something. So I feel like um, it wasn't just us. I feel like timing just showed that Tanish would have to snap back and start having to play some fantasy football. But hey, in the long run, or at least in the short term, he very realistically just got two fringe starters on their actual teams that now can reflect to some fantasy points onto his roster. Definitely better than an injured Jeff Wilson and just um, Devin Singletary, at least right now, right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he definitely... In the short term, I think that Tanish made out pretty good in the short term, um, unless Dalvin Cook does sign with the Dolphins. Um, but in the long term, I, I would probably just take Brian's side just because I think that these guys, after this year, like they're not going to be – like I don't think anyone at all is going to want Raheem Mostert after this year. He's going to be 32 years old. But maybe he's like the Latavius Murray kind of guy, and he sticks around until he's 35 somehow, and we don't understand it. Um, because Ramos are obviously is still fast, but like it, I, I mean, it's weird that Latavius Murray is still fast. I don't know how they he, like he's a big human being and he's still running for 70 yard touchdowns in practice. It doesn't make any sense. Like, how is this guy? <laughs> it's like, like, uh, Latavius Murray, like Frank Gore was like 36 or 37, I think, when we were like, how the hell is Frank Gore still existing in the NFL? But Latavius Murray's almost there and he's like the 
not the same caliber of running back at all as Frank Gore was because Frank Gore once was like really good. Latavius Murray was never like really good. So it's kind of weird that he's still sticking around. But, you know, maybe Raheem Mostert's that guy and he's going to be here until he's like 35 somehow. I feel like Latavius Murray is also like an athletic freak. So it doesn't surprise me too much. He does great at practice. Isn't he like 6'2", 6'3", and like 230? He's gigantic. (laughs) But But not only is he gigantic, he's also like really fast for his size. I'm sure he runs like a four five. I'm pretty sure he ran like a four 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 something at the combine. Oh my god, you ran a four four? That granted, that was like twelve years ago, so I doubt he's doing. Oh no no no! But even (laughs) imagine, even let's say a running back comes out this upcoming class and he's six three, two hundred thirty pounds and ran a four four. Um. Okay, that immediately gets my attention. So even though it was way back, he obviously can't run that anymore. But the fact that he's just like this physical marvel. I think he was a late round pick over to the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And he just never really accrued that much mileage. I feel like nowadays everyone kind of equates running back age more to like their contract length and how many touches that they've had. Right. Like if any running back is coming out on their second contract after the rookie contract, they could just be like 25 or 26 and still be young ish. But if they accrued a lot of touches, you kind of look at them with a little bit of disdain. Right. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. OK, they're 25, but they had like. 650 touches already in the NFL. That's that's a little bit uh, worrisome. Whereas Latavius Murray, he had a slow start, but he is pretty ancient now, like 33 years old. So he could definitely end up that route. But I think my only concern, um, no, I don't really have any concerns with this trade. I feel like this is definitely something that needs to be uh, had done for Tanish. I don't think, I, I, yeah, you've said it multiple bodies. times, you can't go in to this season with literally Jeff Wilson, Singletary as your best running back. So now you have yeah. some guys that interchange and who knows, maybe he has some additional tricks um, up his sleeve, but it is a 2026 20, third. So he's thinking way in the future. So that shouldn't hopefully be uh, too bad for him. He's probably envisioning that it's probably going to be a lower third if it's up to him, especially because I don't think his team's too far away from being really, really competitive. Uh, but yeah, we got to give every trade their limelight. I bet we spent a lot more on this trade than we both initially thought, right, there. <laughs> yeah, probably because this is like not something that's going to move the needle all that much, but. It's definitely something that Tanish needed to do because he needed he definitely needed somebody to play like he couldn't have just relied on those two guys who aren't even like, you know, world breakers themselves. So like it'd be different if it would be like uh, like how Jeff has like two guys. He has Pierce and Stevenson, but like at least they're both like really good. Uh, <laughs> Tanish didn't have that luxury. <laughs> he does not, but he at least has the luxury of having uh, Joe Burrow. So I'm sure anything that happens in his amazing wide receivers that he has, he can uh, go to sleep easy. But with that being said, before we jump into this team breakdown, one quick announcement up at the top. It's ironic because we're about to cover Michael's team, the California Earthquakes. And I just want to make a short announcement that all preseason rankings uh, have been submitted, except for one owner, which happens to be Michael. <laughs> Michael, Michael, what are we doing here? And I actually told Darren, um, I think it's the lack of sleep. It's a Monday for us right now, so I'm even more tired because I had to wake up early for work. But yeah, I felt a little grumpy. I want to roast people. So come on, Mike, what are you doing? We we brought you in, wanted you to be super, super active. And I don't know. I felt like it's been spotty. I've been joking with you, Darren. I feel like the only time I see Michael in the chats now is when he jumps in and asks for opinions on like another trade or another league. And then he just like disappears again. And then he'll come back and be like, hey, guys, I have a party I'm at. And then he just like leaves again. And I'm like, all right, I don't know. Dynasty off seasons when you have to be the most active. And he took over uh, probably the most ambitious rebuild needed. It's been Josh's team, the most neglected and terribly managed team. So I'm hoping that it's not following the same tracks. Not calling Michael Josh. That's not what I'm saying. But activity level wise, um, I feel like it'd be weird that his activity level kind of strikes up when the season starts because that would kind of make me a little bit scared about a strategy of is he trying to go and win some games now? Whereas if he was more active in the offseason, a little bit less active during the season, that would make more sense. Kind of like what Greg did, right? Greg was super active in the offseason. When the regular season started, I mean, he was playing the waivers for sure. But like he didn't really need to do anything, but he was still active. So I'm trying to say is I was expecting more of the Greg route, but because he was a little bit more active, inactive in the offseason, I am more interested to see what he does. But uh, Dare, what are, you, what are your thoughts on his uh, activity level so far? Um, I I would agree. Like, he goes through um, his ups and downs of activity, but it is probably for him uh, kind of not super fun, I would think. Um, just based <laughs> Josh's on the team. team. <laughs> 
yeah, just based on the team that he took over, um, he's probably like, man, like I don't even look like looking at this team sometimes. Um, but yeah, like he'll, he'll go. Like I, I think I like to think of it as um, you remember uh, Adam or Mayo, of course. Um, it kind of reminds me of that, like how he was. Like he would be like real, real here, like a couple days, and then he would disappear for a little while. And then he will be back. And but he he does he does like to ask our opinions um for other leagues. But I think that's a good thing in a way, right? Like he holds our opinion in high regard. That's that's nice. Oh yeah, no, I'm not roasting him for doing so. I'm more than happy because that means definitely, like you said, he holds our opinion to high regards. But it's funny. It's almost like oh man, I'm doing this. Other- oh wait, you know, let me ask the PDL. I'm like <laughs> wait, why weren't you in the PDL chatting to begin with? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And so it, it should be interesting for sure. But he was definitely active when he took over. So maybe he just played all his cards, right? Because first when he came in, he was doing so many trades. And I'm sure we're gonna be talking about uh, a lot of them um, when we get to the trade section of his team. But yeah, I just want to throw that shout out out there. And one more person we need to roast because what the public enemy number one of this PDL podcast, right, Darren? Um, I think we were Um, told by a specific owner that their activity level would skyrocket in the offseason because in season or even earlier in the offseason, their activity level was pretty bad. But we always gave them the benefit of the doubt of what Um, this school year. Right. I think everyone knows who we're talking about there. Who who we put it on blast today because of me. And remember this person. This Dare did not put this in the show. It's still not in the show. I actually was about to record. This was Tommy's idea. I want to roast some people today. So Dare, who am I uh, foreshadowing to? And obviously this is in jest, but the only reason I want to bring this up, I wasn't even going to, but it was because this owner specifically stated that their activity level would change. And I don't know. I haven't noticed the difference. Have you Dare? Who are we talking about here? Um, This is of course, Mr. Brett. Um, I who would oh, have yeah, yeah. to. He's in I would have to agree. This wasn't my idea, though. So, Brett, don't get mad at me. This was Tommy. Um, he he kind of went. So, I, I, me and you were joking about it, and we were saying, like, well, I said that he went from being Kenny Yao to Kevin Yao. So his activity definitely increased, but not like he was, you know, gloating about in the beginning of the summer. He was like, I want to be in the chats all the time. I'll be here. Um, it increased. But not not terribly so. Um, like you said, like I, if I didn't really like think about it, because I did notice it yesterday. Like I was just thinking about it. I was like, huh, Brett's probably going back to school soon, and I, you know, he's been in the chats more, but not like every day, like how like Max is or something. Um, so yeah, I I can see your complaint there. <laughs> <laughs> not really complaint more of a playful ribbing only because kind of like you said, I, I wasn't even thinking much about it. I was like, oh, let's talk about Michael. What about, oh, wait, he didn't do the uh, preseason ranking yet. Isn't that ironic? Um, And then I was like, all right, let's just playfully put him on blast because it is his episode. So he'll definitely listen to this one. And then I thought, wait a second. Brett said he would, like, his activity level is completely fine, mind you. Like, I'm not upset with that at all. I just think it's funny because it was like, dude, I'm going to be working trades. I'm going to be in people's DMs. I'm like, all right, everyone listen to this spot. Has uh anyone has he reached out to you? Maybe he has. He hasn't reached out to me. I feel like I reached out to him a couple times and it takes like four days to get a response. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. This is this is what happens when Tommy gets not much rest. <laughs> so let's put this bow on it and jump in and talk about more optimistic things. Let's talk about the California earthquakes. Like I said, it used to be Josh's team. So this new ownership probably has his franchise fans. Uh, with a lot of optimism, and they have every reason to feel so, because if you look at this roster and some of the assets that they have, Josh definitely would not have been able to pull it off. So first and foremost, let's talk about that quarterback room, Darren. What does it look like? So he has CJ Stroud, of course, his big acquisition this offseason, and he has the man that Josh actually acquired, uh, Desmond Ritter, who has an asterisk. Um I think that that trade going back was like fine. Um, I know we like roasted the shit out of Josh when that first happened because he was trading uh, a third round drafted backup quarterback. He was trading for that and he traded away two starting running backs at the time, which were Chase Edmonds, who just got like that big contract from the Dolphins and Mm -hmm. Damian Harris. So he traded both of them away for Damien or for Desmond Ritter and we were like what the fuck is he doing he's trading away two starting running backs for a guy that's like not that good and he's a backup quarterback 
Um, but that what was if we moved Josh, Josh right? out of the league right as his plans are perfectly coming together? It was just like a <laughs> seven year plan, uh, and <laughs> that's what he needed. I don't, I don't know if Josh ever had a plan of sorts. Um, but I think like in hindsight, that trade worked worked out pretty good because so to you, you're like, oh, every these... you know blind what, what's the same every blind squirrel finds a nut kind of thing yes, so yes that kind of happened here but regardless he has cj stroud a broken Desmond clock Ritter. is right twice a day or whatever that's it. So, yeah <laughs> so i feel like there's so many of have those. His hits. yeah he's he's occasionally gonna have a hit or two but like it, it it worked out because mostly because i think chase edmonds like just flopped super hard and then Damian oh, yeah. harris got hurt like it wasn't anything like Josh wasn't like a miracle. It's foresaw that happening or anything. <laughs> it's not like Desiree <laughs> took the league by storm and they're like, holy I mean, smoke. Well, after he did it, he like justified it. And he was like, I know I'm overpaying, but like he went to, cause Josh was from Ohio. So he was like, I got to get this guy. And <laughs> <laughs> we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, because I don't think he would have went that high if he, didn't trade up and get him at like 204 or three or two or whatever it was. It was like a higher end second round pick. And we were like, what the hell? He was definitely playing, uh, paying the premium for not really knowing the league very well. Right. Cause us, yeah. we were so shocked because you're like, it's fine that you like the player, but you also have to play the game, right? The ADP game. Yeah. You gotta know the owners, the team makeup of other teams who they might be going after, which is why when you and I usually try to trade up into the PDL, we're not trying to trade up because we're like, all right, ADP says he will go here. We're like, oh my God, uh, Mike actually really needs uh, a blank position player. This person will be per first team. So I have to at least jump him. And then I'm looking at who's ahead of him, things like that, right? Rather right. than just saying, oh, okay, he, we are in a super flex league. Quarterbacks are really valued. So let me get Desmond Ritter as early as possible because I think he's falling, which could have absolutely been the case. But when we saw that, we were just so shocked because once again, uh, I, I don't think people are clamoring at the time to trade up to what, 203, 204, or wherever he went to be like, oh my God, that's what I have to do. But regardless, still on the team, and I feel like a pretty good contributor. I feel like um, some of the vibes around Desmond Ritter has been a lot more positive recently, but I feel like it has to be positive if you're taking over for Marcus Mariota, who really couldn't throw the ball past like 10 yards. It was terrible yeah. his downfield percentage and just kind of looking with your eyes. But kind of like you said, the crown jewel was CJ Stroud over the Texans. I feel like Obviously, a lot of optimism there, but it's really hard because the elephant in the room says that roster is terrible, including the offensive line, which is something that we saw in the preseason. Once again, you don't want to extrapolate too much from one game, but that it's not an extrapolation. It's just a narrative, right? Every that, That's been the story. Okay, CJ Shaw is going to a terrible franchise, but he's going to be good. Uh, they just have to surround him with talent. But this first year... It's going to be a little bit rough unless that offensive line goes through a huge transformation immediately, right? Yeah, I mean, we, I, I think they'll actually, I think the offensive line is going to be pretty good this year. Um, they have a lot of good players on their offensive line. They obviously need the gel well. Um, we've definitely seen in the past, like teams do have good offensive lines with like good, talented players, but they just don't fit well for whatever reason. And vice versa. You'll um, see like a no name line, but they play that, really that well. That plays really together. well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they're going to, I mean, it's hard to be worse than they were last year. I think they were like one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year, but I do think it's going to be pretty rocky for CJ Stroud. Like you said, like the first year is going to be definitely bumpy. Yeah. But regardless, he didn't draft CJ Stroud for this upcoming year or uh, to win immediately. This is a little bit more of a projection. I think we could both agree that CJ Stroud he definitely has all the talent to be able to be one of the franchise quarterbacks, at least in a super flex setting that could give you some stability. And I know that's what he's been looking for. And if Desmond Ritter can also kind of hold on to that starting position in Atlanta, then that kind of puts him in a good position. But I feel like there is still a little bit of ambiguity, at least in that sense. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, it's definitely questionable more so for Desmond Ritter than CJ Shroud. Um, I mean, Taylor Heineke is a pretty capable backup. So, I mean, it's possible if Desmond Ritter really falls on his face, they might just put Taylor Heineke in there because that Especially division with is Arthur definitely Smith. up just, they have The Atlanta Falcons have a chance to win that division. So if they're kind yeah. of in it and Ritter is, let's say he's not the reason they're winning the games and kind of being more of a liability, I could absolutely see them going Heineke. But once again, 
I feel like Ritter probably can take that next. I'm not saying we'll take the next step, but still has more to show. And I feel like the way that Atlanta has been building their team, it looks pretty advantageous for the, um, you know, signal caller over there. So it should be interesting to see how that kind of pans out. So with that being said, let's quickly jump into the running back room. I know this room has been going through a lot of change, uh, but where does it currently sit right now? So yes, Samaj P. Ryan, Jalen Warren, Roshan Johnson, and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, three of the four have asterisks there. Uh, it's not Samaj P. Ryan, so the other ones do. I didn't put one for Samaj P. Ryan just because, like, I think that we know who he is. Yeah, not only that, but uh, isn't all of kind of like the stories of why he chose to go to Denver, like Sean Payton pretty much called and be like, do you see what I do with running backs, essentially? And so much yeah. is like, okay, yeah, I'm going with you. Yeah, and even with a 100% healthy uh, Javante, if he's there, Samaj Piran is still going to get some play. And if Sean Payton is going to be able to replicate anything that he was able to do in New Orleans, he always had like a top 10 rushing attack, always. Um, which yeah. is kind of funny to think about because you always think of, oh, it's Drew Brees. You're gonna, he's going to throw for another 4,000 yards every single year, single year. But a lot of it was predicated to the run game. And so if that's the case, I completely agree with you. I think we know what Samaj Pirine is. And it is some value. So I'm actually, that's who I thought um, Tanish was going to get when we were kind of ribbing him in his um, podcast episode, saying that he probably needs to get a running back in there. So I thought he was actually going to go out and get some Maje, but instead he gets Raheem and Deontay Foreman, which is more bang for your buck for sure. Um, But I also wouldn't have blamed them if he did go this route. But the three players that you have asterisks for, very interesting. Jalen Warren, I feel like the a lot of people are kind of comparing him, not to the same skill set, but kind of like an Eckler, right? He's kind of short. He can catch, he yeah. can do a little bit of everything. Roshan, everyone knows that, the backup to Bijan, but he looked pretty darn good in his own right. I believe he started as a quarterback back in Texas as well. So, he, you know, very athletic, very smart. The way that he attacks that position might be a little bit different than what you would think a normal running back would be like. Um, so that's why even his pass protection is really, really good, especially for someone coming into the league. I think it's just this wide knowledge of like football IQ, if you will. And then last but not least, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, also love that you included him in here. I thought you wouldn't just because I know you're kind of a little ageist, Darren, but I feel a like little. his utiliz- <laughs> his utilization <laughs> in the past game in Kansas City is you can't overlook that. And they didn't really add anyone in the offseason, uh, especially in the past catching role. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little bit more involved than we think, too. But out of that batch of three, who are you most excited for? Uh, definitely Rojan. I think that he has the ability to win the job in Chicago because of the guys he's competing with mostly um i think if like the first one was playing with a better group of guys i think that it would be a tough task kind of because he was a fourth round pick and all that stuff blah 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 but um i think that roshan could definitely beat out deontay foreman and i think you could probably beat out Khalil herbert too um not saying that Khalil herbert is bad but Deontay Foreman is 27 or 28 coming off of a couple years ago from that Achilles injury. So he's kind of like a journeyman running back. Like he, he should definitely be able to beat him out. Um, but and I, I think, think he only got a one young. year deal. Um, yeah, I believe yeah. too. Right. So, so it's not like they have a crazy commitment to him either. Yeah. So they're probably hoping that at the very least Roshan beats out Deontay Foreman. They're probably hoping for that. Um, and this season also, um, Khalil Herbert, I'm sure if like Khalil Herbert's great and he holds off Roshan, they'd probably be happy about that because he's also young. But I think that they probably definitely want him to beat out Deontay Foreman. Um, Jalen Warren is also kind of interesting in a way mm-hmm. because some people kind of think that he's going to beat out Najee Harris somehow, um, which I think is just like those people are on drugs. Yeah, that's because, not happening. It's just not going to happen. Like they spent a first round pick on Najee two years ago. And Najee um, looks fantastic when he kind of in the second half of the season when everyone's kind of saying he had a little bit yeah. more time to kind of come back from his injury. And that second half of the season where Najee really came on strong, Jalen Warren then kind of took more of a backseat. Whereas early in the season when Najee was kind of going through injury, yeah, Jalen Warren definitely got more of the cut. But I guess my question for you is Mike Tomlin has always been known as using workhorse back. So do you think Jalen Warren is going to have a significant role even if Najee is healthy just because of how well he played? Um, I think so. I think that like Jalen Warren might eat into his touches a little bit because he's like a little more dynamic. Um, and Najee's kind of like that coach's prototypical running back. He's like a big, he's going to get the yardage no matter what. 
that kind of guy. Bama. He has literally everything. Yeah. So, like, he's like, Mike Tomlin's going to play this guy 70% of the snaps at least. So, like, Jalen Warren might get a little more than he did last year, but it's still Najee's backfield until he's not there anymore, most likely. So, I mean, I, I kind of think that they're not going to resign him like all these other running backs that we're seeing. So then, but then by then, Jalen Warren's probably gone also, and there's some dumb other guy that's there. So, yeah, it should be interesting. But this running back room, you can definitely tell the direction that Michael is going. None of them kind of blows you away, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he flipped some of them. So I know that's yeah. probably something we're going to bring up when it's our turn to kind of suggest some of the things that he can do. All right. Now we know that their running back room is kind of a little makeshift, a little Frankenstein-like, because, you know, things can change interchangeably uh, even before the start of this upcoming season. What does the wide receiver room look like? So um, I want to preface this by saying I think all of these guys could have possibly had asterisks, but I did not put them on all of them. That's because um, I decided to be grumpy this morning. You're like, you know what? I'm going to be the nice guy here. I'm going to yeah. remove some of these asterisks. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because like while I say that, a lot of these guys, I think on other teams, they just wouldn't have been added whatsoever. Um, but because <laughs> so of, this is uh, a pure sympathy play. You're like, oh, God, we need to talk about something. <laughs> so I had to like add guys that wouldn't normally be added, but because of the state of Michael's team, I just had to like put some guys on there just so we had something to talk about. But then when we get to Greg's, I don't know what we're gonna do because he only has like six players total. So that's probably um, gonna be our longest pod yet, just knowing yeah. us. <laughs> so um he has Juju Smith Schuster and Gabe Davis. Neither of them have asterisks. Then he has Michael Gallup, Nicole Hardman, Michael Wilson, Paris Campbell, Hunter Renfro, and Darius Slayton. And all of those guys have asterisks. I think it's fair that you put everyone on there. The only people I would have actually removed is probably what Hunter Renfro and Nicole Hardman. I think those are the only two. Only because I know Nicole yeah. Hardman is now in the Jets, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he could still throw bombs, but if he's throwing bombs, he's throwing it to Garrett Wilson or Alan Lazard, I would think. And then Hunter Renfro. Oh, yeah, that one year. Well, well, did he end as a top 10 wide receiver in half time PPR? I think he did. Fairly sure he did, yeah, which is crazy. He was what top 10? Sure. What was that two years ago then? Yeah. Oh my god. And now last year he was non-existent. This year they got Jacoby. I don't know. Maybe we're being too nice, but no, the guys that you don't have asterisks on, Juju Smith Schuster, he looks like to be at least one of the primary pass catchers for the Patriots. Um, I don't know how important that role is, but it's Bill O'Brien's offense, right? So I feel like that has to be at least talked about a little bit more. I'm not saying Juju Smith-Schuster is going to, you know, be a top 15 wide receiver or anything like that, but maybe there's a little bit more hidden value than people think, especially because I feel like people look at the New England, essentially any fantasy contributors there outside of Ramondre Stevens, and they're like, I don't want any of that, and I don't blame them. But do you see a world where, you know, Patriots offense, although you might hate it, might produce some points just because they just have a better offensive coordinator this time around um yes so i think that what they're doing is they're trying to recreate their offense from like 10 years ago when they had gronk hernandez um and i think it was wes welker at the time so they had those guys and i guess like juju would be the wes welker um and i think that he could be like sneaky good kind of um it's it's really you know it's the discount bin version of that offense obviously um because i think welker is like one of the best slot receivers ever um and we kind of kind of have an idea of what juju is now like he is definitely not the number one that we thought a few years ago when he was playing really well with antonio brown he was only playing that well because of antonio brown um but i'm pretty sure Did antonio that... brown try to tell us that though he did uh, not in a very nice way. Everyone thought that it was because he was jealous, but everyone's like, that guy, that's the guy you guys are getting excited for. I'm like, oh, AB, it's all right, man. You're just getting a little bit older. And now he's probably looking back out of all the crazy things he said, that one thing rang true. <laughs> he was he was spot on. He was, That was he his was last comment about. before he went completely crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was like, this guy is being hyped to the moon and he is just not that good. That's what pushed him uh, off the deep end when everyone Pittsburgh's like, actually, Juju might be better. and every And he was like, what the hell? You know yeah, I think that was the final snap in his brain. That was that was it. Like once that happened, he was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't be. Yeah, it wasn't the Vontez so, perfect hit. It was actually that comment. <laughs> yeah. So um I think he's fine though. Like I think Juju's fine. Um Gabe Davis is also a guy that is fine. Um, I think he's a very limited 
deep threat. Like he's a deep threat that's not that fast, which is kind of weird. So it makes him kind of like a one trick pony. Kind of like um, a Mike Williams esque. Yes, I think that like all those guys, like Gabe Davis, Mike Williams, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey, Cortland Sutton, like they're all kind of like the same kind of dude. Um, so I think Gabe Davis could be fine because he's playing with Josh Allen. But at the same time, we saw him last year and like everyone had a high expectations for him like to be like a top 24 wide receiver. And I know he had like an ankle injury, but still he was like he was definitely given the opportunity and Buffalo was still they essentially no, they did sign Cole Beasley back. They're like, okay, we need something here. And they went out in that route. But maybe outside of your team and a few others, would you agree that those two wide receivers that we just mentioned without an asterisk, Juju Smith-Schuster and Gabe Davis are probably the only two wide receivers that you wouldn't mind on your team in the flex position. And you'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But literally anyone else, you're like, oh God, I have Michael Gallup in there. I have, you know, Darius Slayton. Yes, they could definitely push out a great week for you, but you're definitely not as comfortable. And so I guess I'll ask you the same question as I did with the running back room. Out of all the asterisk players here, who are you feeling the best with? Um, Out of the asterisk players, I think I would... I guess feel the best about Michael Wilson, but I don't even feel like that great about it. Um, it's only because he's the, the youngest and least proven of all these guys. So like maybe he has that upside, but he was kind of like, you see everyone cool. you're like, I know what Slayton is. He's going to have a random Gallup, couple of big weeks with DJ. Yeah. I know what Gallup yeah. is, but then you're looking at Wilson and be like, you know, maybe. <laughs> maybe it could just be a little bit better than those guys. Cause we already it's, know what that is. It's you're not a taking the lottery that, ticket. Yes, exactly. He's more of a lottery ticket because he, he could be, you know, like, um, but he's not really a guy that I would typically like because he's he's 23 years old coming into the NFL. He's in college for five years and he was never good for any of them. I know he got hurt a lot, but I, I don't know, like maybe maybe in the NFL, he like makes a big jump, but it's kind of not likely for that kind of guy for that to happen. It doesn't happen very often, um, but you never know. It, it could happen. So I think that of all the asterisk guys, that's probably the one I would take over all the other guys. Cause I, I think like Miko Hartman probably needs an injury or a cut to be relevant. Gallup. I don't I, I feel pretty good about Paris Campbell. I don't know why. Um maybe it's I just think, be- I think it's just because they have no one and we do watch a lot of Giants football, unfortunately, right? Um yeah. and we kind of see that offense, Brian Dable. Paris Campbell always gets hurt. I understand that. But the times he's on the field, he does look different than all the other players. He he looks a little bit extra explosive, a little twitchy. That's always been his thing. Uh, ironically, of course, I like Paris Campbell. I feel like I'm addicted to the players that are very athletic that just gets hurt all the time. Like, I can't quit them. And when I see Paris Campbell, he's not up to the standard of, you know, other players that are, like, amazing. But I still feel like he'll definitely have the opportunities. And I feel like, once again, you don't want to read too much into the offseason training camp. Out, but if there's a steady drum beat, you at least have to take note of it. And I feel like Paris Campbell's hype out of camp has always been very, very high. And it's not like he's having to beat out like a Jamar Chase or have to go out and beat out, a, you know, someone big. Um, I, I, I don't know. As long as he stays healthy, I feel like he could do something. Uh, but once again, these are players with asterisks. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be like a top 20 wide receiver or anything like that. But out of everyone else, I definitely see why Michael Wilson could have your intrigue. But maybe it's because you and I are cut like we're so similar, right, Darren? But then yeah. when we come to implementation, we're so different because I go for the old value and you go for like the sexy pick. So I think you picking Michael Wilson, me picking Paris Campbell is like a perfect testament to who we are eventually when it comes to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I-, I feel like the one other player that we should talk about a little bit more is Michael Gallup, right? Coming off of that injury, uh, he's two year removed now, so he should be a little bit better. Um, but what we saw last year was not it, right? It looks like he definitely lost a step or the injury took away something. But usually it takes about two years for them to fully come back, especially in a position where you need the athleticism and cuts like a wide receiver does. But I guess the optimism gets, you know, damped down a little bit because they did go out and get Brandon Cook. So do you think that's why he has more of an asterisk? Whereas if Dallas didn't make a move, would he kind of, give you enough confidence to say, hey, I don't know. Maybe there's still a little bit of that unknown where they could really take off now that, you know, Dak is hoping to silence some of the critics saying, oh, maybe he's washed. Maybe he is an interception guy. So I was looking at Michael Gelb a little bit more optimistically until that once uh, trade that they made for Brandon Cooks. But is that an overreaction or is that fair? Uh, no, I think that's fair. I, I think that if they didn't add Brandon Cooks and everything else looked the same, like they had Jake Ferguson as their starting tight end, and Michael Gallup was the wide receiver too. I'd be like, he's probably like flex worthy at least, like wide receiver three, four kind of guy. Almost like we viewed Gabe Davis the year before, yeah. right? 
not maybe yeah. not to that extent, but like we're kind of making that narrative, being like, all right, a decent quarterback, a solid offense. Um, you know, the Bills had Stephon Diggs, Cowboys have CD Lamb, and then they're like, all right, the number two has to come somewhere and they need one so that that's kind of the narrative i was making as well but even if they didn't sign it, it could have still ended up as the gabe davis route that happened last year right they didn't really do anything he's still disappointed yeah but i think that just like adding brennan cooks just completely nukes anything michael gallup could have done like now he's just like he's the third option at best in that offense um that they claim so, to be like a run first offense too we'll see when yeah. it's all said and done so yeah i completely see that i feel like his value has been the most ambiguous throughout the past couple of years because it's always been on the hope, the excitement and the plays and the cool grabs that he can do. Um, but there's just so many of these external factors as well. But, Darren, let's jump into our favorite room that we love discussing, the tight end room. Uh, what does uh, the Earthquakes tight end room look like? He has Michael Mayer, uh, rookie, Raiders tight end, and Irv Smith. So I have an asterisk on Irv Smith because... From my point of view, he's like one of those guys where we're always like, he could do it, he could do it, and then he never does. Um, but he gets a lot of fantasy people hot and bothered. But he's playing it's with like Joe the Burrow now. King gets so close uh, each time and just blue balled every time. It's it's possible, right? He's playing with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow made Hayden Hurst kind of relevant. He got him a big contract with the Panthers. So like maybe Irv Smith can do it. Who was the other guy it. before Hayden Hurst? That random other guy. Um, CJ Uzama. That's who also it. Got yeah, like the yes. Bengals, I feel like always made somewhat semi relevant, and I think we're all in agreement. Irv Smith isn't a superstar, but he, at least athletically, is much better than the two guys that we just mentioned that had yeah. a little bit of success. So I definitely see the path, but I feel like that's always been the case with Irv Smith, even in the Vikings. Right? You're like, oh my god, with Dalvin Cook, like taking the attention away, and at the time, Adam Thielen taking attention, like. Yeah, Irv Smith can do it. And he just almost like how we said about Kyle Rudolph. Oh, man, maybe the Vikings just don't like people not named TJ Hawkinson. But I can see the asterisk because he had the opportunity to do it in Minnesota. But now he finds it in Cincinnati and we're hoping so. But I think one thing that is pretty interesting is Michael Mayer doesn't have an asterisk. But I think you and I have been higher on Michael Mayer than the consensus has been for a while. And this, by all means, is not saying we think he's a Gronk-level player or anything crazy like that. But I think it's because all the other tight ends um, project to be much more fantasy um, valuable just because of their athleticism. But I feel like you and I have been consistently higher on Michael Mayer than most, right? Yeah, I, I think that like 10 years from now, we could look back and uh, Michael Mayer is might definitely have the best career of all of these. He could still be in the league, whereas all the other tight ends, if they're out of the league, I'd be like, OK, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, because he's going to be able to be like that, you know, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Dalton Schultz, like boring kind of yeah. tight end like that. Um, but he does all but the he's little a good things football player. The coaches will love him, gets into the dirty yeah, areas. Cool. He could have like the most longevity of all these guys, but he might not be great. Like if if Dalton Kincaid falls flat on his face, he can't be a receiver like he was at Utah in the NFL, and he also can't block. Like he's probably not going to be in the NFL for long. So there's more of like a higher chance of like a flame out for the other guys than I think Michael Mayer. Like I think Michael Mayer is definitely going to be solid. Like he might never be a top five fantasy tight end. Um, I guess he probably won't ever, especially with the waiter the Raiders are run right now. Um, but maybe you could turn that around and like, you know, five years from now, Michael Mayer is like TJ Hawkinson. I could totally see that happening, but, um, he needs things to go his way though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but most tight ends do, regardless if you're a rookie or not, you, you need a couple things to go your way. You, even if you're one of the most talented, if you don't find yourself in the right system or utilize well, like let's say Travis Kelsey never finds himself in Kansas city with Andy Reid, Right. Um, I'm sure he would still be fantastic, but would he be what he is right now? Who knows? But the tight end room, always ambiguous, but um, I feel like the Earthquakes kind of find themselves with a solid room, but I feel like almost every um, owner can say that just because they're the landscape of tight ends. You just need just one hope, and the rest is kind of okay. So his hope is Michael Mayer pans out, and Irv Smith is there for the time being. So I feel like that's actually pretty solid, um, all things said. But what does his draft capital look like heading into 2024? Because it looks like uh, it's no surprise. This team is definitely trying to rebuild from the devastation that Josh has given him. And I know Josh did not give him a lot of draft picks either. So is there some optimism heading into the 2024 draft for uh, Michael? Well, I mean, it's not like a whole lot, um, as we might 
assume because of the state that Josh left it, but he does have a 2024 second, two thirds, and four fourth round picks. Um, so he has a few few dart throws there. And with how active the PDL draft is before and after and during the draft, I feel like it wouldn't be surprising to see him move around. I feel like there's a lot of movement. So I feel like if anything, it's not like these this capital that he has here is what he's going to keep and use. He could definitely use it to kind of move around as he wants to. So it should be interesting to see how he manipulates it to see, A, if he wants to grow this quote-unquote war chest of picks or you know, use it to navigate maybe even higher trade down do the Steve Patnett move by holding every single draft pick hostage into you get maximum value. But it should be fun to kind of see how he starts to navigate because I'm sure when the offseason comes, that's when I expect an uptick in activity with Michael because that's really where he gets to have the most fun. Uh, unfortunately for him, he hasn't been left a lot. <laughs> so kind of finding that enjoyment uh, probably is far and few between. But I am excited to kind of see what he does because... He did make a lot of trades, especially right when he jumped in, right, Darren? Yeah, he did. Um, he made quite a few. They've kind of dialed back as your little hit piece to him in the beginning of the pod. But um, the first one he made, he sent Christian Watson, who is, I mean, I think is probably his most valuable player when he took over the team. Uh, he sent him to Jeff for Donald Mooney, a 2025 second, a 2025 third, 308 from this past draft, Parham, Donald Parham, and Chris Evans. Um, I guess I'll just keep rattling them off. He sent uh Rogers, Aaron Rodgers, Taekwon Thornton, and 403 to Steve for David Njoku, Darius Slayton, and a 2025 second. He sent Brian Robinson to Welch for 303 and a 2024 third. He sent 209 and 306 to Steve for Juju and 310. He sent Hollywood Brown, Alexander Madison, a 2024 second, a 2025 first to Welch for 103, which turned into C.J. Stroud, and 309. He sent Donald Mooney, who he acquired the first trade from Christian Watson, to Max for 2025 second and 2026 fourth. Uh, he sent a 2025 third to Brian for Hunter Renfro. That, 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 that one's so random. That's like the ugly step chart. Like all the other ones, I'm like, okay, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I can see. I, and I, then I, out I, of nowhere, he just woke up and said, you know what? I need him to run for my team. I need him. I I gotta have him. Name your price. And I bet he was like, I don't know, fucking third. He's like, any third? He's like, sure. He's like, all right, here's a 2025 third. He's like, all right, okay. The last one he made was uh, he sent David Njoku to me for a 2024 second. You Um, saw that trade and you're like, oh shit, anyone is obtainable on this roster. Let me go get Njoku (laughs) now. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you because when he made that, trade for hunter renfro and i saw that it was michael that traded for hunter renfro i was like that's weird that's interesting um because i think he's 27 if i had to guess off the top of my head um so he doesn't really like fit in michael's team and i don't ever see him like gaining value um i guess he can get renfro could literally be traded to the kansas city chiefs and i would still be like oh okay I'll, I'll give you a third. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I'm trying to give him, like, where would he have to go for a maximum? Possible. It has to be the Chiefs, right? Like, that's where yeah. everyone kind of credits, and they finally got So that's what I'm saying. Um, if he went to Kansas City or Buffalo, that's, like, probably his two best, because we saw Cole Beasley play really well there. That's true, yeah. Um, but even still, I'll be like, yeah, I'll give you a third. Like, I, I can't. I don't know. Like, I just don't see his value going up higher than what. Yeah, he's going to squeeze a fourth from you, silly boy. Or in a fourth, yeah, yeah. I guess that's more than just third. <laughs> <laughs> he wants that maximum value. No, I'm just kidding. I feel like a lot of trades make absolute a lot of sense. He definitely traded yeah. away a lot of the um, valuable players, but I think you're in agreement because you have been in this position where you took over a, an orphan team. Although yeah. you have players that have high value, you want to make your mark. You want to get the players that you like. And so it absolutely makes sense. He comes in, he trades away Watson, he trades away Aaron Rodgers, he trades away these players that might be a little bit more difficult for others. But it's probably because a, um, he just maybe not likes the player as much as the value I've given him, or b, you just gotta make your mark and go get your guy. And undoubtedly, the mark that he has made is go get C.J. Stroud. So I feel like. CJ Stroud, whether Michael likes it or not, is going to be tied to his legacy for a lot. But what are your thoughts on like the handful of trades that uh, Michael has made? I I think they're overall like pretty good. Like again, sending Brian Robinson for two thirds, like I feel like that's pretty good. 
Um, especially because like now, like Antonio Gibson is being the one that's all hyped. Um, Rogers basically getting two seconds for Rogers being 40 years old. I feel like that's pretty good value. Um, Christian Watson, I think maybe possibly if he just held Christian Watson, he might've been able to get more, um, but getting two seconds, two thirds, like that, you can't really complain too much. Like he might've got a little bit more, but, um, I think everyone's thing with Christian Watson was like, oh yeah, it was Aaron Rodgers that made him so good. And like, now he's going to be playing with Jordan Love. But if we saw him go out week one and he played well with Jordan Love, then he's probably going back up in value. Um, but that's still like, you never know if that's actually going to happen or not. Um, but I think everyone, every like overall, I think he's done a good job. Like I, I really do. Yeah, I feel like he's definitely trying to get as much ammunition as he can because he wants to mold this team to be his team, which is definitely hard to do, especially when you take over a team that's capped with any value. He took over with, what, like almost no first-round picks? Took over with very, like, if you take over an orphan team and you almost have no draft capital and your best players are Hollywood Brown, Christian Watson, (laughs) and Aaron Rodgers, you're probably sitting there and be like, what in the world just happened? How many championships have this team won? Uh, to eventually get to this point, you're like, no, this has actually been consistently one of the worst teams ever. Um, you'd be pretty upset. <laughs> so that's why seeing a lot of these trades, it gives me optimism. I feel like there's a plan, and Michael has been following. He's been getting great value uh, for the most part all the way through. So with that being said, what would you say is the strength of this team? Um, if I'm being completely honest, I said there are no strengths. Um, but if I was forced to pick one, I would say quarterback currently um cj stroud and desmond ritter like if desmond ritter hits and he has like a long-term starter there like that's you know that's a good foundation there but it's it's kind of a big if right now i think um so it's he obviously has a lot of work to do i'm sure he knows that as well but he's done a good job so far yeah i definitely agree for strengths i definitely have to probably echo the same tune especially if you look at all the other groups i guess no you definitely can't even say tight end especially because to say tight end is a strength you would have to have like a solid alpha guy there and maybe a couple of backups and stuff like that um but i guess in the scope of his team i would have to say quarterback especially with how much he's invested to be able to spend um and how much the previous ownership have spent on desmond ritter you kind of have to give a little bit of a nod a tip of the cap to that room for sure and i feel like the weakness is pretty evident i feel like it's kind of everything else but that's not to the fault of michael it's definitely the owner before him but it's definitely going to be interesting. Is it weird to say one of the weaknesses is draft capital just because you would assume that someone with a team like this would just have more? Once again, not Michael's fault. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think you could definitely make an argument there that there should be more draft capital on this team uh, because of the state that it's in. Um, you would kind of expect... Like, that. if you saw this as an orphan team, you're like, all right, but how many firsts do I have? Yeah. Because I don't have a running back, I don't really have any star-wide receivers, and I have, like a fringe quarterback room, obviously start by CJ Stroud, but you're like, all right, what, what else? And you're like, actually yeah. uh, a second and a couple of thirds. And you're like, what happened? Yeah. Somebody put this, uh, this roster like on Twitter and they polled and they were like, how many first round picks do you think this team has? Like the <laughs> options would probably start at two. It would probably be like two, three, four or something like that. But unfortunately for Michael, there is zero. <laughs> yeah. And once again, not, uh, his fault. It's definitely the ownership for him, but he has been solely been trying to accrue. I feel like that's why he's trying to get maximum value on things. And hey, if Renfro turns in like a huge season, hey, maybe he is able to be able to flip them for even more value. And although it's not pretty, I know Greg knows this game, right? Who has worked harder than Greg just working through waivers and picking up all this garbage and flipping them for seconds and thirds and fourth and then flipping those draft capitals for more players and then doing that over and over and over again. So I feel like there's definitely... um reason why you have to kind of roll up your sleeves and get a little bit dirty so i'm interested to kind of see how that slowly comes to form because once again this is a team that had such little direction so with that being said there if you were the co-owner or took over this team what uh, advice would you be giving michael um i would trade everybody of value for draft picks so what that means is like guys that i'm not sure that are going to be great or, or like guys that i think can sell for like at their peak value, like Juju, I'll probably send it away. I know that's probably a fan favorite of Michael's because he went to USC. Um, Gabe Davis, he's gone. Michael Gallup, he's gone. Like all these guys, like Irv Smith, as soon as he has a good game, he's gone. Samaje Piran, he's gone. Like <laughs> Catches his first touchdown, I better see his nickname be changed to something that entices people <laughs> to trade for him. Like anybody that's over the age of 20, 
24 or 25, like I'm probably sending them all out. So the only one that's probably like 100% locked into this roster is probably CJ Stroud and Michael Mayer. Like they're the only guys, and I guess Roshan. But if someone like wanted to offer me like, you know, a late first, early second for Roshan, I'm probably considering it because he's a running back. Um, I, I think that like Michael knows he's got a long rebuild on his hands here. So um, I, I obviously I know like he wants players on his team that are like, guys that he can get excited to watch and build around and all that stuff. But um, everyone else in the PDL also wants those guys. So they're hard to pry away. So it's got to kind of, you know, roll with the punches a little bit. And he knows that I'm sure, but uh, anybody that's older or aging and has their peak value come to see right now, like I'm probably sending them away. Yeah. I would have to agree with you mostly because that's the way that you have to rebuild your team. Unless you are, Unless you have so much value and different capital that you could kind of finagle a lot of different trades to kind of trade your way to a super team. Uh, unfortunately for Michael, he doesn't find himself in that position. So what I think he should do is exactly what you said. Try to get as many lottery tickets as you can because, Darren, I'm sure you would agree, the best and cheapest way to get, obtain a player is through the draft. And that's even including trading for draft picks. Mostly yeah. because what Waddle went at like what one oh one eleven one ten I don't know what he went Devonta Smith went at like the end of the first I know that was an anomalous draft we always bring it up because yeah. he had so many quarterbacks going the front but I'm just trying to make an example you know yeah, there's so many different superstars because when you're using a draft pick people just think oh that's just a late first round or that's a mid second but then if you start to put names to it like oh that is a T Higgins yeah. that is a C D Lamb uh, people Brandon, are, are now going to sit up right yeah so I think that like. You can definitely make the case that like thirds, especially like like Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, like there were Antonio Gibson, like there was good players drafted and even in the third round, like t- this year, Tank Bigsby was drafted in the third round. So like you can definitely get like Luke Musgrave. You can yeah, get RB1. Like, and- is he a Binaconda? I, I got him. I'm kidding. It can it can happen. Like I, I can see like the uh the scenarios, like fourth rounds are, are pretty much dark throws. At this no, but point, you're right. The, um, th- the third round has third resulted in a handful of really solid players. Yeah. But I, I think that, like, it's just, like, by, by the time that Michael is ready, these guys that he has that are, like, right now, that they're, like, 27, 26, 28, like, they're, they're going to be, like, 30, 31 by the time he's able to. And then by that point, they're not going to have any value. But at the same time, if he really wanted to, he could keep them around. But just to, like, have something to not feel dead inside. but. It's, you know, he's probably going to keep Juju. I would, if I had a guess, he's probably going to keep Juju because he's probably one of his top favorite players, I would think, uh, because he's like a big personality guy. He went to USC, all that stuff. He so. was the one that was in AB's DMs being like, dude, you're nothing. Juju, yeah. <laughs> you're trash. Yeah, Juju is the best receiver in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't know who you think you are, Mr. Brown. I don't even know what school you went to. Probably some small school because he did. Um, but one thing I do uh, want to mention here for sure, at least for Michael, is he definitely has overtaken the most infamous team. So this turnaround is definitely going to take a little bit of time. But I feel like in his stance, what I would recommend is just wait, right? Because the value of players are going to go up. If Max or Steve, myself, you... um and I'm sorry if I'm leaving out any other contenders there. If we sustain some injuries and I don't know, let's say Javante goes down, right, Darren? And mm-hmm. Samaji just becomes the guy. And now he's just steadily putting up, I don't know, 13 to 18 points a game. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are interested all of a sudden saying, okay, now, yes, I will give you that second round pick that you might've been looking for. Plus maybe more, maybe now there's a bidding more, who knows? So, I would definitely just wait kind of like what you were saying, Darren, right? Oh, man, just wait until Irv Smith has a huge game and really get into that marketing role and become a salesman kind of thing. But my, uh, I guess, suggestion is just, uh, and of course, I'm filling out my own agenda being a commissioner to be more active. I feel like you got to establish those relationships, right, Darren? I feel like it's a lot easier to get trades done when you have a relationship with an owner. Not because you're trying to trick them, but just because you know their cadence, right? Like right now when I uh, need to text anyone, I know how to approach it. Be like, okay, um... The Oregon guys are in the West Coast. I know I shouldn't text them at X amount of time. They're much more active when it's really late at night here. Uh, let's say I want to try to talk with Max. I'm like, all right, what's Max's typical schedule when I talk to him? And I try to pull out these different things to be like, all right, what will help me most to entice them? Because for the most part, 
I feel like every owner in the PDO gets excited for trades, right? If you're not, why are you playing fantasy football? So the relationship of what I mean is just, you got to know when they are active because then you have them on the hook. I still don't know how to do that with a mic because sometimes when Mike is there, he wants to talk trades all you want, then he'll just disappear. And I'm like, oh my God, I had him. I just had him. So that's why I'm still trying to work on that relationship. So eventually we could get something done. But I think there's something to that. Wouldn't you say, Darren? Yeah, I agree. Um, It's kind of, I guess, like setting expectations, I guess, in a way for certain guys. Um, I, I think, like you said, like once you talk to them a bunch, you know when they're there, like you know that like the West Coast guys, like you said, they're all going to be active for our time, like after eight o'clock for us, um, just, just because of like, you know, how the time zones work. Mm-hmm. Um, but your Greg is usually like in the morning, but then like there is like some guys like Brett who we talked about earlier that like, you don't know, you, you might be three days before you hear back. Or like the him, legendary but- Steve. Steve is one of the most active guys in our league, but it's at the spurts. It's you just got to catch him at that spurt because he checks about three, three, four times a day. Um, mm. But when he does, that's when you know because he's liking, commenting. So you got to catch him right there. So when I say be more active, I mean just kind of establish that relationship. So like if other owners are thinking, all right, I'm going to trade with Michael right now, they should at least know a little bit of how to be able to do so. Uh, and so just keep yourself open. So your trade, I guess channel is always open so you are always in tune with who needs what so i guess when i say just be more active is just become familiar with the i guess all the different dimensions of trades that you want to do because top of mind should 100 all right where do i think samaj p ryan is going to be most valuable for what who, which owner at what point in the season little things like that so when the time comes you could be fully prepared rather than saying oh man i was just you know caught sitting on my hands and i didn't get max value because as of right now almost all of his trades you could say he definitely is trying to squeeze as much value as he possibly can right yeah, no, I agree. I think so. I think he definitely is trying his best to work with what he was handed, um, which was not a lot. <laughs> I know, I know, but he was all he was able to trade up all the way to 103. So he definitely has a really great negotiating prowess because he wouldn't have been able to get all these trades out already. So I'm probably just saying things because he is one of the most prolific traders, at least so far in this offseason. So Michael, just keep it up. You're crushing it right now. Um, but I am excited to uh kind of see it how things go when it's all said and done because it never goes the way we think, right, Darren? We always think, all right, this is going to be the worst team. This is going to be the best team, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for the most part, I feel like in the extremes, we are typically right. Like, we're usually not completely wrong on who we think is around the best and around the worst. It's always a middle that gets really, really, really shady. Like, if you were to tell me you and Mike were going to miss playoffs last year, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have actually bet money that both of you would not. And I would have... This is why I'm not a gambling man, Darren. Um, But... Where do you think in the context Michael's going to end up when it's all said and done? Unfortunately for me, I think it's definitely going to be towards the lower half, but that shouldn't be a surprise to Michael, mostly because he is rebuilding right now. He is trying to capitalize on that value. So I think if it were up to him, he wishes he probably had his first round pick so then he could have a little bit more fruits of the losses that he's taken. But I also can see the route where he kind of wants to uh, play a little bit of a spoiler role. Right, Darren? Yeah, I think Michael, because he doesn't have his own first round picks, he probably... Um, wants to win as many games as he can. But unfortunately for him, I think that he's going to be down at the bottom of the standings fighting for the first overall pick with Greg. I mean, this is one of the last team breakdowns. I think we only have, what, one or two more? So uh, that kind of just shows you, unfortunately, the state of this team. Once again, it's more a reflection on the past owner, but I'm hoping future breakdowns and future seasons, uh, this will be a lot higher to speak for. So... Yeah, that kind of wraps that up, Dare. I know uh, this is kind of be a big day. We're probably going to record a couple more epis, but uh, we have about three minutes left in our Zoom before it completely kicks us out. Anything else on your mind? I don't think so. <laughs> Wait, have you watched the Hard Knocks? Oh, for the last three minutes, we should probably uh, give the guys a Madden tournament recap. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I had a Madden tournament, guys. Um, I usually try to stay pretty humble because nothing is uh, more cringe than a 31-year-old man bragging about his video game playing abilities right darren i usually try to keep it on the deal yeah yeah um there was a madden tournament over in i so i i live in central pa and there was one right around where i live uh the game site was smaller so the tournament was much smaller i strategically went to that one because it doesn't take much to be the best of that area and usually when you win a Madden tournament, they usually give you a gift card uh, to come back because GameStop is dying. And they usually give you a free copy of the most upgraded version of that game. 
Uh, I've been doing this for a while, and I think I took a little break right there. I think there was like maybe one or two years where I just stopped because yeah, I was moving so much. Yeah, I took a couple years off, and it was always funny because I would always text there. I was like, oh, man, dude, these GameStop people texted me asking which games I was going to so they wouldn't go. There are things like that. But eventually I came back, and now, you know, being a dad, I have nothing better to do. Um, I was – so my GameStop, sorry, uh, shut down. Uh, so then I was like, oh, man, if I want to go to another GameStop tournament or anything like that, it would have to be like a big one. And there was one in Harrisburg. It's like the biggest one. And I was like, you know, let's go to that one. Like, why not? Like, if I actually feel like I'm good at this game, I should go give it a try. And I haven't done beta or anything. So I went. Uh, I did very, very well for the uh, I think there was over like 200 people there and everyone plays a little bit and then you get your seating and then they cut it to like, I don't know, 150, 130. I, I forget what the number was, but they cut it down. And so I placed very, very high. I think my seating was like 17 or something like that, which I was really pumped up about. Um, and then from there, uh, we had one full day where you just played forever. You just played a lot. Uh, there are a couple of rules where you have to pick like three teams and you declare which team you're playing as right before you go up. Um, and then there are other additional rules, like how many times you could play a certain play. Long story short, um, I went all the way to the championship. The guy I played against were the Ravens, and he was cheesing pretty hard with Lamar, but he was also doing this thing where he was like audibling to the same play over and over again that uh, I've noticed. But regardless, I was still able to beat him. I think the final score was like 31 to 27 or something like that. So it was really, really close. And he was actually really, really good, obviously, because it was something big. So yeah, a humble brag. Uh, Darren, you don't have to pay for your Madden again this year. We could play together. So that's going to be great. Actually, it releases tonight at 8 p.m. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna be playing some Madden tonight. I don't know if you also get the early access. I hope you do, but if you don't, um, I'm sorry. I think I normally do, but I we got like 10 seconds left. I just want to say Tommy was trying to be really humble, but he would kick every one of our asses in Madden, like by at least four. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed your meal. We'll catch you next time.